0: Messages that actually connect with your audience? Do you understand how they feel? And have you outgrown your messaging as a brand? These are all topics and questions that I've put to my guest Diane Wiridu, on this episode. Diane is an expert messaging strategist and conversion copywriter. She's the founder of Lion Words and she's even managed to give us three big brand no-no's when it comes to copy on this particular episode. Welcome to Divided by Brand, the podcast aimed at entrepreneurs, business owners, and influencers. If you want to learn from industry experts and you want to listen to advice about how to feel more confident with your brand, then this is the show for you. Join me as I interview inspirational individuals at different stages in their business journey. My name is Dan Ocock, I'm your host, and I'm a brand identity specialist with over 20 years experience. If you're interested to know if your own brand has all of the key ingredients to attract higher value clients, I've created a scorecard that will help you do just that. It'll uncover if you're able to attract the right value clients, and if your brand matches your ambition the scorecard can be found by clicking the links button in the player yeah the player that you're listening on just click the links button and you'll get redirected straight to my scorecard it's very quick it's incredibly simple to use but most of all it should deliver you some value straight to your inbox with your own customized report which will have marked you across six core areas of branding and i know you'll agree that is quite long enough for a podcast intro. Should we just start the show now? to the show diane it's absolutely fantastic to finally get you on um i think we've kind of well actually i say finally we've not waited that long i have waited longer for some guests but i've been particularly keen to get you on we were just chatting there and, and catching up before we hit record and we were both we've had a manic a manic week and um i do like to open with the question um that is a a kind of nice little intro for for people is I'd love to hear three wins from the last few weeks that you've been up to but welcome to the show and, and hit me with those wins what have you been busy with Diane
1: hi Daniel thanks a lot for having me um yeah, it's great to be here. It's great to finally be chatting to you on uh, Divided by Brand. Ooh, uh, three wins. So I, th- I think that us recording this is a solid win. That you think, I think considering it the is. <laughs> the crazy world and the crazy week that we're having. Uh, so I think that is definitely one. Um, one, I'm uh, wrapping up a, a, a copywriting and messaging project uh, this week with a client of mine that that's, gone, that's been going on for a couple of months. And that's, that's, I think that's a really big win for both of uh, both of us. Um, and, I mean, another win. I'm trying to think. I mean, with, with Christmas coming up, and I think just that, that I'm ready to have some rest in a few days off, I think that's a, that's a pretty big win as well.
0: Yeah, it is. And I feel like a lot of people that I'm speaking to at the minute they've just had enough of 2021. They're like...
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I think it's the same for 2020. 2021's come and gone, in my eyes. It's like, in the blink of an eye, it's it's finished. And I'm kind of... Yeah, it has. Yeah. How do you feel about the next year? Are you ready for it?
1: I am indeed. I think... So I know you know it's sort of it's it's tricky really because I think both this year last year have been quite intense for everyone ups and downs. But for me personally, I think that 2021 has actually been a, a great year um, in spite of uh, a few different setbacks. Um, but particularly for business uh, growth, um, I know a few things we're going to be talking about today in terms of brand um, and really kind of doubling down on certain elements. There, it's actually been a really great year for me, um, and I think that that's just coming to fruition <laughs> you know yeah. the work that I put in maybe at the end of last year starting to to pay off um throughout this year so it's been exciting um but yeah every year I'm always excited for the next one and just what we can improve what we can get rid of all of that kind of stuff I love it
0: and what we're going to do is we're going to build up a, a re, you know like a bit of a picture of um how you've arrived really at where you are with your business but um the listeners will have heard my little intro just to the show to explain um who you are and what you do, but you're a copywriter is the bluntest way of putting it. But it's far more than that. I think when you get when you just say copywriter, it's like, nah, that's tip of the iceberg stuff. <laughs> I mean, your your tagline, if you like, it's conversion copywriting, and you like to say make your work your words work harder. And I think that is a really good summary. Um, I think straight off the bat, I'd love to just say, you know, how do people get in touch with you? So if they're gonna be listening to this episode, how can people find out more about what what you do or how they get in touch with you, Diane?
1: Yeah, so people can, um, one, either head to my website, which is lionwords.com. Um, uh, and just sort of get in touch with you there, get to know a little bit more about what I do. Uh, It's in constant evolution, so it might be a little bit different by the time this uh, episode is released. I'd say the other place that I mostly hang out uh, online is LinkedIn. So I I write a lot, um, I share kind of copywriting tips, my thoughts on brand messaging, um sort of helpful tidbits and sort of playful playful rants so i say as well over there so uh you can connect with me over there and i, I also have um a newsletter that is uh what i like to call consistently inconsistent
0: okay <laughs> so okay. I,
1: I i like i don't like to publish at a particular day particular hour i really just share when i've got something valuable to share and um people can head out and sign up for that and the link is uh you can go to a bit.ly so i have a bit.ly forward slash uh sign up
0: then cool well i'm going to put links in the show notes as well down so don't worry the website you LinkedIn, and we'll put a link in for the newsletter as well so people can click on notes and they'll be able to get access there you've also got and i quite like this when i read through it um a cheat sheet so if they want to if they're listening and they want to get inside their own customers minds you've got a little download a little thing that they can get involved with is that right
1: yeah, that's why, actually. And that's, so that cheat sheet is really around um, the important kind of research side of uh, the copywriting process. Um, so, you know, I think, most people understand that copywriting isn't really just like putting the words on the page that's sort of the final step when it comes to messaging and the really tricky kind of sticky part is actually trying to understand your customers and how they think and how they feel Um, and so most conversion copywriters will do customer interviews or just get in touch with uh, customers to try and understand you know how they how they um, use the product or how they feel about it, etc. So I kind of came up with this cheat sheet of questions to ask customers so that I can get the kind of answers that will help me create messaging that actually kind of connects and creates value so there's a, there's a cheat sheet there for anyone who is um, either founders or small marketing teams who are doing this themselves or copywriters or you know freelance professionals as well they can they can use that to help guide um, their messaging
0: a great idea and well worth checking out so again we'll put the link in the show notes and, and people can go check that out now let's set this in a little bit because although you've got a british accent you're not in the uk are you whereabouts are you at the moment
1: yeah, it's a, it's a little bit like, where's Wally with <laughs> Diane? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I actually haven't been based in the UK for a very long time. I was uh, based in Barcelona in Spain for almost five years. Um, the the kind of COVID pandemic year, I was all over the place as well. I was in France and I'm currently in Portugal, which might uh, change. Um, but yeah, I, I think that kind of links to my kind of history of what I was doing before I was a copywriter. So before I, before becoming a copywriter, I was uh, a translator. Um, And before that, I kind of, I managed a media translation team uh, and a dubbing studio. So I was working uh, with the world of kind of languages and language communication. So uh, that's why at the first possible opportunity i just hopped on a plane and got out of uh, england
0: see you later alligator as they say (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, because the translating side you well i know you're fluent in as you put it four and a bit languages Uh, how (laughs) how did that happen how's that come about and what's the bit (laughs) four and a bit
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah, so the reason I say four in a bit, uh, the the half language is is French Uh, and my partner is French and I don't think he'll ever let me say that I'm completely fluent. I kind of hash my way through that language. I butcher it. so I don't give myself the full point. Um, But yeah, so I studied studied Spanish, Italian and Catalan. Um, That's kind of my academic background. So I studied languages at university before then going off, you know, heading into the world of work. Um, and so that plus English are the, are the other languages. Um, and I mean, that was my, I think that that's, there's always been an undercurrent of uh, communication, I think has always been the core of what I did and what I still do today, even though as a copywriter and working with messaging, um, I'm not, you know, translating one language to the other, but I still feel like I'm a translator at times because I'm translating, you know, complex ideas into clear messages or, you know, buzzwords and jargon into um, like engaging English. So I think the skills that I learned when I was learning languages of, have really kind of led me on this path to to the work that I that I do today.
0: Yeah, well, that's you've even enlightened us on what was going to be my next question, which was where does your passion for writing come from? So it sounds like the languages and the insights to these languages probably inspired the writing.
1: Definitely, I think. I mean, one of my one of my big beliefs is that language is the most powerful tool that we have as people and that words really matter. Uh, And I think, you know, if you go back to little Diane, who was like five years old and was just talking nonstop (laughs) (laughs) and like wouldn't shut up, I think it's very fair to say that I've always loved like the power of words and talking and expressing myself. Um, But on a deeper level, you know, even now, I do think that, you know, everyone has a message to share. And I think everyone deserves to get that message heard and understood. Uh, And I think that really deep down, that's what led me to uh, languages, because, uh, you know, when I worked as a translator, it's really helping people spread their their message to a whole different audience, a whole different part of the world, uh, so that they can have access to what it is that they're sharing, whether that's a product, a service, or just a message in general. Um, And I think that's what I still do today with, with copywriting and messaging. You know, some people are really good at expressing what they do and some people are just really bad at it but it doesn't mean um that you know they shouldn't really have um, they haven't got something valuable to share yeah. and so i think that that's what I, I love doing i love that i can bring my expertise to help people you know better articulate their value and what it is that they do and then help them connect better with their with their customers and with their audience
0: i love it and i think that something that well i forget it, it always reminds me when different languages and different um, cultures, they can have a completely different way of expressing, um, what is a, like let's say a common saying, and you'll be better at picking an example. It will be, it might not even exist as a saying in another culture, and that's, everyone's a bit presumptuous with language, is probably the right way to describe where I was going with this. Um, but do you find that fascinating and is that still an ever, you know, is that, I mean, do you get businesses that it is really important that they get it right in terms of their communication?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's the most important thing for, for every business out there, um, even more so now, than, you know, years ago. If you think about it now, there are, you know, there are more brands now than there ever were. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and the, the number is just constantly increasing. Um, and as, you know, markets become more saturated, the only way for you to really stand out is through through your messaging. And it's a very accessible way for any business to stand out as well. And to uh, explain, to, to make a connection. I think it's just the, the simplest, cheapest way. You know, we all have words at our disposal um, and it's a very easy way to to, to make a connection with the right, with the right people without um, many resources. You don't need a crazy um, advertising budget and you don't need all these crazy campaigns. You just need to be able to explain what you do to the people yeah. uh, that care.
0: And often, working on your own stuff is not the best thing to do without some kind of copywriting experience. But we'll get, I've got a question about that a bit further up. So, look, that, I, mean, I think that's really um, a really interesting insight as to, you know, how you arrived, where you are at the moment. And you, your business is called Lion Words, and you founded that, is it nearly three years ago that I remember reading?
1: Yeah, so I think... Uh... Yeah, I think we're coming up. About
0: three years. I think
1: it's less, actually. I think we're coming up to three years, but we're not quite there yet.
0: Not quite. I think I was being generous and I think it was like two years, eight months. Yeah, something like that. I did that marketing thing where it's like nearly three years. Yeah. i do. It sounds <laughs> Honestly, I Honestly,
1: I can't keep count, but I feel like every year is a dog year for me at the moment. So I, I one year feels like seven. So yeah, exactly. it's been a while.
0: <laughs> but the question I wanted to ask was what made you decide that having your own business was the right direction for you?
1: Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting question and it's one that's a little bit hard for me to pinpoint. Um, I think I just always knew that I wanted to create something that would eventually be bigger than me. And I think I'm definitely still in that process. I'm on that journey. It's not there yet. Uh, I am still, you know, 99% the, the face of the business and do, uh, most of the kind of strategy and execution although sometimes i work with a very small team but it's still mostly me mm. but i think when i when i launched this i realized that um what i wanted I, it wasn't just going to be about me yeah. and i think that when you separate the business from you there's there's just more potential and more opportunity for, for it to grow
0: absolutely no it's interesting a lot of i mean there's not many copywriters that i speak to that have got that ambition about their business and they think more along the lines of a, a lifestyle business that that's just them involved with so i think that's quite an exciting prospect um at the moment you i think it would it be fair to say that your niche and who you love working with are those um smaller businesses perhaps the SaaS businesses um in terms of yeah, like business to business, SaaS, digital. What what is it about them that you like? Why you know what what makes them the ones for you?
1: Yeah. So yeah, I think it's if we kind of look at this from a first sort of demographic level because often it's quite easier to put people in a box that way my clients do tend to be uh, business to business within that often they are SaaS which is software as a service for those who might not know or kind of professional digital services you know so marketing services essentially I'm a digital kind of I'm a professional service company Um, and the the reason being i mean there was a kind of evolution of that whole process that we could probably get into a little bit more in terms of niching down um i started just serving kind of SaaS very widely which uh, at this point this day and age SaaS is like almost every single business out there so no. it does see it seems like you're niching down but you're not really you're going from a pool of you know billions to millions um and then when i started Analyzing the work that I was doing with clients, the clients that I really connected with, the ones that we we had that instant connection, and I started to realize it isn't simply that they are B two B, that digital services. It's the fact that they are going through some kind of shift. So they are they've just raised a round of funding, they're kind of planning to grow, they want to hire a team, but they're still they're still quite small. So it can potentially be a startup startup kind of size small marketing team, still working closely with the founder. And the reason that um, I work so well with them is because they're at that stage where they've kind of outgrown their messaging, right? So they've realized, okay, we found product market fit, right? So that we have customers, there are people who are interested in what we're doing. The messaging that we have worked on has got us so far. But now we're ready for that like next level of growth and that next stage. And now we realize that to really connect or to kind of narrow down our pool of customers, to really connect, we need to take this further and we can't do this ourselves. Um, and that's really where I come in and help because those type of people, those type of companies that they're, they're scaling, the, the founders, they often get, um, they have this kind of syndrome. You've probably heard of this before, where that when you're inside the jar, you know, you can't see the label.
0: Yeah, nice. <laughs> I think
1: it, it happens. I think it happens to all of us. They reach this stage, which I've kind of called the, the founder, founder funk. Founder
0: funk? You did just, mention that. Yeah, yeah I remember you saying it. It's like, that's a class uh, phrase.
1: That. <laughs> so they're in this stage of, they're just, stuck, right? They know everything that they need to know about their products, their features, the services, everything, but just can't translate that into clear messaging that, you know, really connects with their customers. So that's where, you know, I come in um, and I bring this outside perspective that I think Mm. um, everyone needs at some point in their business. I think when we're starting. Um, the, the founder, the person who's created the product, whoever that is, is the perfect person to launch everything, right? To probably lead the messaging to, because they know what they've built. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to a stage where, you know, when you need to grow, you have to have um, some outside clarity as someone who looks in and says, hmm, I think there's a better way of us uh, doing it. Yeah. And so that was a kind of my roundabout way of answering your question as to, you know, how did I narrow down who I who I work with? And I think that, that was it really, the, the it, it it just became very clear that these are the people that need my help we get on the most um, and i'm able to to help them kind of get unstuck
0: awesome and i i remember on our little intro call thinking that it was very similar to myself i mean i'm it's the same uh, startup scale up arena that you're in and it and a lot of the things that you describe are exactly the things that I'm listening out for and, and that clients are telling me that they're experiencing. And that's why I really love the founder funk thing because they do, they kind of hit a wall, not all of them, mm. but they do become like f- uh, like a fog of, they think, or perhaps what worked initially has or got them so far and then it needs to be looked at to get to the next stage. And um, I like doing it visually. So, in, I mean, I guess words are visual as well. But hand in hand, I mean, copywriting and brand are a hand in hand set of whatever you I don't know how to describe them. They just need to be considered together, don't they?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, precisely. And that's also why... I mean I I still consider myself a copywriter but the main role that I play with companies is actually as a messaging strategist and that's Kind of what i i call myself and how i see the impact that i have because um the copy is often a kind of secondary and i realized that when i was uh working with businesses often they come to me and say hey we you know we need uh we need help with our copy (laughs) or we you know we need new new website copy etc and then i'd start to ask all of these you know difficult questions (laughs) which is part of my process you know the interrogation phase about okay so you know, let's talk about your positioning and your differentiation and, you know, how do you sound and how do you talk about what you do? And then I realized that they couldn't answer those. And so that's really how um, one of the core services, which is the brand messaging um, that I offer. That's how that came about, uh, because that was something that was already built into my process. And if you work with, um, you know, most uh, most copywriters do have that phase where they are asking and getting to know the business and really digging deeper. And I realized, hey, instead of having that built in, that's uh, a service in its own. So helping, you know, companies get, get really clear on their messaging, on their positioning, how to talk about what they do, how what key messages they should be rallying around in their customers' minds. Um, because you can't own 100 messages. You know, when people think of your brand, they think of one thing or two things. Um, and so that's how I kind of pulled uh, that service out. Uh, and so now the, the work that I do is often split into two camps. So first, the, the brand messaging, so the really foundational stuff. Um, how do you kind of stand out? What do you stand for? Um, and then uh, the second phase is, is sort of the application of that. So the conversion focused, uh, copywriting.
0: I love it, and I think that what you're describing there is like the perfect building blocks to bring a designer in. So it's much easier for me as a creative to uh, work with a client who's probably done some of this groundwork before. So what they would go through with you as a process would give me so much insight into well, all of the things that you've just described that then let me come up with ideas and let my brain um, ponder a certain creative route for the logo. And I feel sometimes businesses, it's never really laid out to them what order things should go in. Do you find that?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. And I think that... um, what you mentioned you know going through this process having some of those answers will definitely help any you know visual creative any brand strategist to really map out what that looks like i'd also say that it's a very kind of hands-on simultaneous process that, you know that you can work with uh someone who is the creative the visual person on that team as well as the messaging at the same time so you can have this really big unified yeah. um this unified fit um but i would say that i think one of the things that uh businesses struggle with, particularly, I'm obviously thinking of my clients within kind of B2B, SaaS, but I think anywhere, is just the need to move fast. <laughs> the need to ship things, move fast, break things, mm. test, often means that um, clients kind of rush ahead without doing the groundwork. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes, you, you know, you do need to go out and just throw something up and, and, and test, <laughs> test the market fast. But at some point, if you don't put the groundwork in in the beginning, um, you'll have to do it at some point, you know, sooner rather than later. You'll have to stop, take stock and say, okay, right. Well, now we're going to, now we're going to have to actually ask the hard questions. So whether you do yeah. it right before launching a brand or whether you do it uh, after kind of testing the market at some point, it's a really solid process to, to go through. I think, you know, with someone like myself and, and the work that you do as well, specifically to understand the, the, the whole strategy and the whole visual identity.
0: And then when it it just all, when you do that and things start to lock into place and make sense, it's a really nice feeling. And I know it's a nice feeling for me, but I also, from the feedback from clients, that there's this real sense of like aha moments and, things making sense and becoming clear to them do you find yeah, that
1: i love i love the mention of that aha moment like this is, this is it's something <laughs> i nearly that.
0: did an alan partridge <laughs> impression <laughs> but I'm dead.
1: yeah this is something that i like go after with messaging as well with copywriting uh with everything is that aha moment <clears throat> and i kind of look for it internally and with your customers So i think it's great i love that you mentioned that because now you've just got um, this whole different train of thought coming into mind so when <sighs> when i work with a client obviously i do want them to i want to kind of visualize that light bulb above their head you know like aha, oh, we've got it by yeah. joe we've got it but also you're looking for that with your customers as well and so the aha moment is something that i search for with copywriting i think with any piece of messaging, you know, any, um, well, oh, sorry, that was, a, that didn't make sense. Piece of messaging. I'm getting caught up with any piece of coffee or with any message that you put out there. You want, yes. want your customer, the reader to have some sort of realization, so, you know, whether that simply is, oh, OK, um, yeah, I can, you know, handle, solve this problem myself or right. Yeah, I do need to uh, I do need a copywriter or I don't need a whatever it is that they the realization that they have. That's simply what you're you're trying to do. You're trying to make some kind of a connection so that after, you know, interacting with your brand, this person thinks, aha, I get it. You know, I get what you do. I get how you yeah. can help me. I get how I can help myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really important thing. Um, pivotal moment to look for to look for the aha you know you want someone to feel something after interacting with your brand
0: absolutely i'm going to backtrack a little bit back to where we were just talking about um the types of businesses um the SaaS side and the b2b because i wanted to ask um what i think i feel like there was a moment that led you up to working with those types of businesses in terms of the, if the question that I'm kind of building up is to what the big, did you have a big brand dividing moment um, that made you go down this avenue? Um, a, a, a kind of, you know, the fork in the road point.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, the, the fork in the road moment for my, for my brand, particularly, um, I think it's been the entirety of 2021 (laughs) I think it's like looking at my business like it's like looking at a cell under a microscope you know as it divides and then it divides again <laughs> and it divides there's definitely been okay. a domino effect but I, I think i can definitely trace it back to um niching down so um at the i think it was at the beginning of uh, at the beginning of 2021 i really decided uh okay i'm going to niche down and specialize and focus on at that point i did uh, initially focus on saf i know we've we've now talked about the evolution of that and how i've since narrowed that down but that was a big moment for me because before then I was um, working with a uh, kind of e-commerce and luxury brands and, you know, uh, just companies across the spectrum. Um, and I actually went through a small uh, kind of business uh, mastermind group. Um, and it was through that work that I decided to kind of specialize and niche down. And I think that um, that has really helped me in two Two big ways. I would say one, it's helped me get clear on who I serve, right, and who my target, who the target for my business was, and you know how I can help them, which is so important not only for your marketing, you know, like your business strategy. Well, how do I talk to these people? Um, But as a byproduct, it really just gave me so much clarity as well. And I think with clarity, you know, there comes confidence. (laughs) So, you know, I was confident to to know. If I'm focusing on the right things, uh, I could say no to the wrong things, you know? Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I think as any business owner, you know that there's like 300 things that you could be working on. Um, and it's it's so hard to, so easy to get pulled in like a hundred different directions, like Stretch Armstrong. Um, yeah. It is.
0: Let me ask you a quick one. I'm going to butt yeah, in sure. and say that the niching side, you're right, and I'm a, a massive advocate of it. I think if somebody hasn't niched that they probably should think about it not maybe not necessarily right for everyone but niching was is fantastic what um what it's it's like a lining of the stars and what i was about to say was did you find that at that point you were able to look back at your own life story and there was more of a reason for wanting to niche with those type of People? Did you feel like it was the niche fitted with your story?
1: Mm. Love the question, Daniel. Very deep. Um, (laughs) So i might not give the ideal answer right now because i i think that for me (laughs) i think of it
0: i know it's a bit that's a when i've now i've listened back that's pretty deep for just firing (laughs) from the hip but there you go that's how i roll
1: yeah Uh, so i think that for some people there will be a very obvious choice and there might be something that does align with your mission and your purpose And for others, it's just a bit more of a strategic choice. And I think for me, it was strategic. So I can't say that it it did align with a bigger purpose. I think over, I think taking that first step, you just need to make a decision. And it doesn't mean that you're settled Mm. in for life, that you can't work with someone else. You just need to go for something. And if it feels right, then, you know, give it six months and you can switch again. And for me, after having worked um, within uh, a different industry, translation industry and other fields that are often getting um, quite commoditized. There's a bit of a race to the bottom. One of the big things that I wanted was to work with people who value and get what I do. And I think that that is very important for anyone, no matter what it is that you're offering. You know, if you're offering graphic design, if you're offering content marketing, it doesn't make sense to offer a service to an industry that, uh, yeah, it just kind of devalues or looks at it as a kind of box to tick. And so one of the things was that, you know, SaaS is a really as a growing business and the type of uh, founders and marketers who lead uh, those particular companies, they really understand the value of what copy can bring to their business and so for me that just took away this massive chunk of friction that I had felt with other industries that I was trying to educate them on what it meant yeah um and so yeah it was it wasn't a deeper purpose but it was a uh, a strategic decision and then also I think it feels like it might
0: be more it might be more um, value orientated yeah. that they share similar values yeah. to you yeah I definitely well. think I
1: do think so I think that you know when you you work with uh, a group of people day in day out there has to be something deeper you have to connect with them on on a deeper level and it can take quite a while to, to, to work out what that is um, but yeah, I have I have a lot of fun with with my clients, and and uh, yeah, they 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 do understand. You know, they're excited to, to basically to put them to message out there. And so I think that that was um, that was one of the main reasons.
0: I love it. Yeah, sorry for putting you on the spot with a deep one, but we got there. Yeah. We did all right there. Ten out of ten for effort. <laughs> Thanks. I think it's just good little insights, and I think this is what the listeners like like to hear is just those little isms of you know this is why I did it and this is what I got yeah
1: and I just wanted to um sorry yeah I just thought you know I think to, to to finish off the the point that I was making about kind of niching and specializing I think I mentioned that there were kind of two ways that it really helped me and I know one was kind of getting clear on who I served but I just wanted to touch on the second one which was definitely um visibility and authority I think that you know as a business and a brand um niching or specializing because i think that often they get used interchangeably a niche doesn't have to be an industry it can be a type of work that you do it could be you know website copywriting or it could be web design but it just makes it easier to be seen it makes you makes you an easier choice and i think that that's all
0: what we want be an expert in your field i've talked over you again but be an expert yeah
1: exactly precisely
0: and there's a great analogy that a coach I worked with um, said, which is, you know, if you go to the doctors with a heart condition and he says, well, I'll have a look at it for you and I can have a see what I can do. You'd be like, hang on, can I go and see a heart specialist, please? <laughs> I don't really want the GP who probably knows a bit, but you know, might have a go at it. No, 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 I want to see the guy who just does heart stuff, please. Can I go, you know what I mean? Because he's the expert in it.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you've you've hit the nail on the
0: head there. And, And I really explained that badly compared to how the coach... Um, that I worked with did it but I think I got the point across <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah you, you, you just you want a, you want a specialist it, it just I think for me as well as, as you know the, the lessons that I've applied to myself I help my clients with as well and that's just helping them become the easier choice yeah you know all of our customers and clients just have so many choices it's like you know from when we, I can't remember how many choices it is that we have to make in a day, oh, but it's God. like it's thousands, it's thousands and thousands. And so when someone has to decide to pick you or someone else, you just want to make it easier for them. It's true. And so, yeah, that's what kind of niching has also helped me do.
0: I want to move on to some of your uh, working processes and things that you talk about around um, how you approach copywriting and how you approach working on copywriting for brands. And something that you talk about is hitting growth goals and you've got four that you list out um attract build increase and protect i'll go into a bit more detail so attract new customers gain readers generate more leads build build, build brand loyalty keep existing customers coming back um, increase sales and drive engagement with your copy protect reputation and build trust with an on-brand Messaging. Just talk us through. I mean, those four. I know they're not like the be-all, end-all, but how important are those? Those four: attract, build, increase, and protect.
1: Yeah, I think that there, there are. You know, there are so many things that we try to do as a business, but I think that they kind of touch on, touch on everything that you you need. You need, you need to, you know, you need to connect and attract the right. The right people to your business because not everyone is for you, right? You need to service a particular subset of, of customers um, and you need to, you know, be obsessed over them. So I think that's really important and it's attract and, and keep them as well. You know, have people coming back, you know, business normally isn't just a one-time process. Um, and, and with, with every business, there's, there's, always there's growth, you know, so increasing sales, increasing conversions, um, making connections with those people along, along the way. But one that I think that we don't talk about enough is really protecting your, protecting your brand and protecting your reputation. Um, and I think that like, like yourself, the, the visual identity is an incredibly important part of that, but also being consistent with your messaging, you know. Um, and so I think we don't talk about that enough with copywriting and messaging. You know, there are certain brands that might work with one copywriter here, one copywriter there. They haven't worked out what their key message is. And so then the messages that you're putting out there are really confusing. You know, you might use one voice in your website and then another voice in a sales email that's like super aggressive. And then another email is really soft, softly, soft. Yeah. And so there has to be some kind of consistency there in protecting your your brand image and your brand message as well
0: yeah because one thing we talk about in brand is 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 reputation massively and um for when i when i try and explain what, what that means to a client I, I try to put it to in terms of to the terms of what do your customers say about you when you're not in the room you know and and you know visually there's a there's a huge steer by how you're perceived visually but how someone reads about all well reads all of the content that's out there to do with your brand if it doesn't match or it comes across wrong then that massively affects your reputation it's a huge part of a brand because you want somebody i you know ideally you want these brand advocates that are out there singing your praises and saying oh my goodness, I just bought, I just had the best experience ever buying this case of craft beer and or whatever, or this bespoke candle. And, you know, that's the reputation when it comes to brand um, and in terms of messaging. Am I right with you on that one?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that I love that, you know, your brand is what people say when you're not in the room. I think that's so true because to me, I always say that your your brand is like the perception, you know, it's like your personality. It's what people, it's what people think of you. And you can, you cannot, you cannot decide what your brand is because it's what everyone else thinks. You know, if I say Coca-Cola, everyone will have an image or a thought or something that comes into mind. And it's because of all the other pieces, you know, all of those small working pieces that come together um, and make your brand what it is. And so you have to be consistent and understand and have a strategy behind it so that you can help shape that somewhat uh, in in people's minds.
0: Absolutely, and I'll quote Marty Newmyer, who's a brand uh, brand strategy expert, and he says, mm. "A brand is not what you say it is; it's what they say it is." Yeah, I love um, that. A, it,
1: Zag is a great
0: brand. Uh, it's, brand brilliant. For it's brilliant. It's mm. brilliant. Now, you've got your own process that you actually take people through, and you call it RAW. Um, R O A R. And again, your words, this will help someone, a business, uncover power-packed, persuasive messages that resonate. Now, I like that. Well, (laughs) power-packed, you can tell you're a copywriter. Um, But that process, Raw, Uh, Talk us through the points. I mean, if you can't remember them, (laughs) I've just grabbed them. Um, I just want to... I can, yeah. Yeah, how important are each of those points, that that raw process? What what made you arrive at those and how important are they?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, every... Every copywriter has the the steps that they go through, and I think that I realized after working on a few on a few projects, there are some kind of non negotiable steps. So the the R O A R raw, um, which w- fits well with line Words, I just I love everything <laughs> powerful yeah. and power packed messages. So the first R is research research and discovery. Yeah. Um, so that is just such an essential phase. I would go as far as to say that kind of probably 70% plus of any project really hinges on that first research and discovery phase. It's where you kind of evaluate everything about the business through, you know, brand discovery session, also understanding and studying the customer, the customer journey, their challenges. Um, it's where I um, pull out my kind of secret weapon, which is voice of customer research. So where I get on calls or, or um, create a survey um, and speak to my clients, uh, customers just to understand, you know, what messages are really going to, click and resonate with them so that's the first step
0: do you do that covertly like secretly
1: no 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 (laughs)
0: like a Um, mystery shopper
1: yeah Well, so it it really depends. I'll I'll talk about that for for a second, actually, so that everyone hopefully will walk away with a few ideas about how they can do this themselves. So that there are so many ways um, that you can go about getting uh, insights on your customers. For me, as a messaging strategist and as a copywriter, I'm looking for um useful messages right so you can you know you could do the, the buyer persona demographic hey our buyers are usually this age but that is super like not helpful in any way when it comes to creating messaging you want to know about their pains you want to know their doubts around your product you want to know uh you know the the outcomes the, the things that they're trying to achieve and so the best way is by talking to them simply so one thing that i love to do is, is customer interviews so i will set up Uh, reach out to a few of my, sorry, my client's customers. Uh, get on the phone, a 30 or 40 minute interview, um, you know, put their mind at ease that this is just a chat and keep it confidential and just ask a few questions. And I think that's that's where that um, cheat sheet that I mentioned earlier in the episode comes in handy. So I have kind of a list of questions that I work through. And those questions just help me understand things like, you know, what was going on before they they reached out and, and got in touch with my client? Um, you know, what was it that they really wanted to achieve? What were the, some of the, the doubts around signing up? All of those kind of things. Yeah. so so I do it um, they're definitely aware so one way is interviews another great way is sending out a survey uh, perhaps if if you're the type of customers that you have you have or if you're a massive company and you have a huge uh, email list that so could be worth sending out a survey instead um, and that gives you kind of more quantitative and qualitative insights mm-hmm. and then the third option you know if you don't have any customers or for some reason you haven't got the time or you can't get in touch with them um, then the third great option is to just look at um, reviews online reviews whether that's uh, testimonials yeah. for your product another one and so that one is a little bit more uh, secretive but they're messages that, that are out there online. So you're not really, you're kind of snooping around, but it's, it's nothing, you know, yeah. creepy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no,
0: no, I get that. That's really interesting. Very, yeah. very useful. So,
1: so, so we've got
0: raw. Yeah. That was research yeah. and discovery.
1: Yeah. So that's step one. So I'll breeze through the others. So step two O oh, is, um, organized. So for me, that's like organizing all of the messages and all of the data and putting the strategy together. So, It's a lot more fun than it sounds, but there that's where I kind of put this messaging hierarchy in place and I look for the priorities and the patterns I found during that first phase. Um, And and this is really important because it helps me, you know, set the whole project up for success. And I've pulled out um, the, the key messages that we kept seeing over and over again. Um, step three, A, is assemble. <laughs> so if, I like to think of copywriting like a puzzle. So it's like, a, you know, a jigsaw. So I put all the pieces of the puzzle together. So that's that's the part where I will write and edit, um, use copywriting frameworks and best pra- practices to kind of put together a first draft and then, um, you know, edit and refine that. Uh, and then the last step, R, is uh, review. So review, test, you know, with any type of messaging, it's not... Um, it's not over until you actually, you know, it's not over until the fat lady sings, they say, but you know, it's not over until your customers actually kind of interact with it. And so you need to really validate the messages. Um, Your customers will tell you uh, if it has actually hit the spot and if you need to revise any of those messages or or tweak so that, you know, it does actually do the job that you want it to, which is obviously convert or move someone from one stage to the next. So yeah, so I always move through those four steps, research, research and uh, discovery, organization and strategy, assembling the pieces and then review, review and testing.
0: Perfect. What a fantastic way to do it. And and uh, tie it into a lion. <laughs> I love how <laughs> yeah. it all links back. It's perfect.
1: Everything that I do is lion related.
0: I think that's a yeah. really, really good <laughs> insight. And I, I, I myself have took a lot just from you running through those um, those four points so thanks for sharing that with us Diane that's brilliant you're welcome I've, I've, I'm kind of moving towards wrapping things up but there was a couple of questions that I do want to ask um, again I want to give the listeners something that they might be, uh, find really valuable as a really good insight and I've written down here what would you say are the three biggest copywriting brand no-no's that you regularly come across. So it's, it doesn't have to be three, but I'm just keen to know pitfalls or things that people have done or do that you go, you put, you know, the face palm moment of, no, what are you doing? Can you give us any examples?
1: Yeah, I can. It's hard. I don't like, I I won't sort of trash any specific uh, particular brand or particular campaign, but I'm seeing I can't, there isn't anything that comes to mind. But I do think there are some big high-level no-nos that it would really help people to keep in mind. And I think one, number one, I think we touched on this when we were talking about niching, but just going too big, going too big and too broad in your messaging and trying to speak to everyone now this is a it's a bigger question than just messaging and copy because it also comes down to kind of your strategy and, and like your marketing who you're who you're trying to speak to but when copy falls flat, mm. it's often because it is just trying to speak to everyone, you know, of where it's a tool for managers, directors, marketers, executives, et cetera. And uh, if you're kind of too afraid to really focus and understand your one customer, often your copy will will just fall flat. So I think that would be one, one key thing. The second thing I would say um, is similar but very different and that's being specific so it's kind of specific specificity within your copy so for example if i were to say um you know hey sign up to our just sign up to our newsletter great call it's a call to action doesn't really tell me much i have no reason to sign up it's not super exciting but if you said you know join um, 7,000 um, and 112 uh, people, uh, marketers who are signing up to get uh, specific tips on how to improve, uh, you know, their writing. Now you know exactly what you're signing up for, you're excited, you know, you're joining a group of people, you know exactly what you're going to get. You know, you could even say every Wednesday at two, so you know exactly when you're going to get it. And I think that one specific thing that people can work on to improve their copy is being as specific as possible. Um, and it, it goes back to point one. Now you have to know your customers in order to be specific
0: we don't even need three those two are just like massive yeah game changes <laughs> all right so should we keep it
1: should we keep it at two <laughs>
0: yeah let's just do two goodness mastermind here we go i love it um no thanks for those those are really really good and now you can see why i've got everybody that's listening i can see why i got diane on because i knew when i chatted to her that it was going to be awesome um to hear <laughs> these little topics these little insights um another couple of questions for anyone that's looking to work with a copywriter is there anything that you would advise them to look for like i guess i'm going down the route of i hear stories of clients that i work with and they've had bad experiences with designers do you find that you've ever get a client and they've had bad experience with copywriters and if so you know, how can you help somebody to find, what would you say to somebody that's looking for a copywriter? What should they look for to find a good copywriter?
1: Yeah, I, I actually have worked with a few a few clients now who unfortunately came to me after having a, a bad experience with um, a previous copywriter. Um, and that presents challenges for myself as well, because I also have to kind of build extra trust with them to assure them that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the process of working with me is not going to be the same and, and that we're going to, to you know, to, to overcome all of like the, the challenges that they dealt with. Um, I think it's a little bit of a tricky one I think that probably the kind of obvious things I think you know one you want either some you want some experience in the, the work or the project that you're, you're working on you know if you're reaching out to someone to help you with your website copywriting or you're in a particular um, area or speciality you know often it's great if someone has done that type of work before and they can show you or work you walk you through that you know walk you through their their process mm. I would say as a caveat that you know there are some great uh copywriters who have maybe worked in different industries previous to that or they've kind of switched their specialism and I do think that you know there's the first time for everything and some copywriters who are fairly new are going to be great but I think that there has to be some honesty there that you know they'd say hey I've, I've never done something like this specifically but uh, here's what I what I'm you know gonna try and do with you so I do think there's a, a bit of discretion there on on um, you know the, the client side of, of picking that person. Uh, so yeah, some some expertise, some experience with the, the the kind of work that you're doing, and one probably less tangible um, thing to look for. And I think that this is feedback that I've had from clients that I've worked with that they've said that I just was super enthusiastic about the work like I they could feel that I was really excited to work on their project and I think that that is incredibly important no matter what it is that you're working on you're probably going to be working with this person for a little while and you know Not every uh, contractor is, you know, super extroverted. Everyone shows their excitement in a different way. But I do think that, you know, look out for some of those signs as well. Like I always get on a phone call before I work um, work with someone on copy. Not everyone does, but that's my process. And there's a reason for that because I want to get to know you better understand how you talk about your uh your kind of your project or your service and then also share with you and share my excitement and how i can help you and often it's a feeling thing um so i do think that if you do have any doubts um you know often just getting on the phone with that person expressing that and understanding and kind of listening for that element of excitement because you know you want a contractor to be almost as excited as you about the project that you're working on yeah
0: so I guess you could say it's like you build up a little bit of rapport first, in a way, so that there's there's a thing that an understanding or you get on with that person, because they've got to. It's the same with me. I have to understand where they where they are now and where they're going. Plus, I have to want to work with them, and um, you know that's something that you know going back to why you why we both ended up setting up our businesses it's we want to work with the people that we choose to work with and at the stages of business and that it's a privilege it's an excitement it's you know it's why we do what we do and if it doesn't work so if in other words if going back to the what my original question was if if you're looking to work with a copywriter just Just talk to people and just find out if it's going to work. You know, that's probably the first step. I think that's a fair summary.
1: Yeah, I do think so. And I think I'd I'd probably add one thing because I've I've realised that... The answer was quite long and I'm just trying to make this a little bit more helpful. So I think that first I mentioned um, experience in what you have done, you know, some discretion there yourself. The second thing, definitely what you put it really well when you said rapport, I think that rapport is super important, the connection. And I do think the the third thing is asking about someone's process Um, and I think that if anyone someone should have a working process. Now, it doesn't have to be called raw like mine, but someone should be able to walk you through um, their process of how they will approach your project, how they usually approach their project. Um, and I, I think it's a little bit of a warning sign if someone doesn't have a clear a clear process of, of how they approach the work with you.
0: I agree. And we could open a can of worms on that yeah. one the process. <laughs> but, but it's important from your point of view, because you're looking to create a scalable business so process is huge because it needs to operate you know when you're not there for example Um, but for me my process I go through it with clients so it's incredibly important no matter what um, I guess whatever ambition you've got for your business um, get your own process it Definitely, it's not hard yeah
1: and, and most people have one and they just you know even yeah. if they haven't thought about it or some people you know they talk through their process every day uh it doesn't have to have a fancy name you just need to be able to share with a client and um, assure them that these are the steps that you go through to get them what they need exactly mm-hmm.
0: exactly so we've got two we've got two questions that i want to kind of round up the interview with um the, we'll go with the, the first one, which is the, the deeper of the two, but it's not as deep as that other one I plucked out of thin air earlier. I'm ready. I'm ready but for I do, it. Like, I do like to ask, if you met yourself 10 years ago, what would you say to yourself?
1: So 10 years ago, I think I was studying at university. So <laughs> I think I wouldn't change anything there. So I'd say, you know, yeah, work hard, enjoy yourself. Um But I think what the advice I would give is to keep just keep an eye out. I think for wider opportunities that help you kind of develop, you know, non-academic skills and skills that you you don't even know when you're going to need them. So things like strategy, business, creativity. um, Because I think it's very easy for us to keep to sort of go through life with blinkers on and think that life will be linear, and it definitely wasn't for me. Uh, So I think that would be my key advice. yeah, and also just believe in yourself. I think that that would be great advice for anyone 10 years ago, uh, any version it's of a yourself. Bit
0: like, I suppose it's like say, never say no to an opportunity because uh, most opportunities have a positive outcome. Yeah. And I think when I look back, there are times in the last 10 years where at, at that moment you think, what the bloody hell is this about? <laughs> and you do it anyway or you, you know for whatever reason you're in this situation and then you look back and go actually that, oh, I took quite a bit out of that now when I think back I learned how to do this this and this and you know it's things like you've just said with the blinkered approach just you know look at things with an open mind
1: say hey, yes have a uh,
0: go give it your best yeah give it a go I like that now The question I like to ask everybody is I love to find out, I like them to pick a boldest brand for each episode. So it's a person, it's a a company, it's a thing. It's just something that as a brand does it for you. Have you got a boldest brand that you want to share? Yeah, so
1: so I do. And I have my my favorite brand of all time, which I am 100% sure that someone would have mentioned before because it's a very well-known brand. So as a caveat, I'm going to say two because I have to give an honourable mention to Nike because I think that they're my favourite brand of all time, but they are so I'm not welcome. allowing
0: two. I have to jump in because I've pulled people up in the past to try to slip two in. And oh, go, nope, no. You've got to pick a boldest brand.
1: Okay. So okay, so have you, I, cause I listened to a few, but I, d- I didn't catch if anyone mentioned Nike. Has anyone mentioned Nike? Because if so, I'll, I'll give my other, but if not, I will tell you why. I, I love them.
0: Th- I think that Nike has been mentioned Okay. In a very early episode. Okay,
1: and there's a, there's a reason because they're amazing. Um, okay, yeah. so I won't, but I've also managed to break the rules anyway because I've said who my favourite <laughs> brand is.
0: <laughs> Sneaked it in there.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so I won't I won't pick them um, because it's a rather obvious choice. Um, so let me think. My the boldest boldest brand. And okay, so it's probably still another another fairly obvious choice, but I'm going to just double down and go for them. And I would say Patagonia. Um, Patagonia, uh, and one of the reasons why I picked them is because they are standing out by leading with story and they have a strong strategic narrative and they're very, they're mission-led, you know? So Patagonia's... Uh, mission really is, is about giving back to the planet, it's about sustainability, but it's they are a brand who walk the walk and actually do <laughs> what they say yeah. they do and don't just talk about it. And I think that's incredibly important. Often we can look at a brand uh, in terms of the visuals and the message and you know what are you trying to stand for instead of what are the actions that you're taking that actually support the message yeah. that you are trying to, to share. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's why, you know, for example, this uh, Christmas of 2021, they have completely changed the messaging on their their homepage and they've taken... Uh, taken that hero space to say give a damn and give back this year and don't spend with us and then they've donated their proceeds to uh, the proceed, all their profits to charity so they're I think they're an incredibly bold brand simply because of the, the stance that they're taking um, and everything that they they do from their internal kind of politics um, sorry not politics in a positive way not in a negative way their, their internal kind of structure yeah. um, their messaging and their visuals everything
0: I love it. I no one's done Patagonia either, Woo-hoo. so I tip. <laughs> I tip my hat. I think that's a really, really good brand to have chosen. And um, when you were talking there, it was just making me think that uh, the current marketplace, people pick apart brands that don't walk the walk. The one, it now shines through when you're just, you know, saying something to someone and you're not doing. Um, and, and, and i think this is why brand at the moment is really at the forefront of a lot of businesses minds because gone are the days of hiding behind marketing messages oh, that yeah. are hollow
1: mm-hmm. so yeah people see through that stuff you know they can they can uh they smell they, they smell, to be, yeah, they smell yeah, the well bs to, for a mile off so they do
0: and they want to be part of a A clan, a movement, a bigger picture, and that's what someone like Patagonia offers them. So I think that is an absolutely awesome, um, boldish brand. And I'm going to put Nike in the mentioned, uh, mentioned, (laughs) honourable mentions category.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'll have to come on another episode to explain my reasons there. Maybe we'll we'll get a few uh, episodes under the belt. But I think that one's so it's so obvious why. So yeah, Patagonia though is my is my mention for now. They're they're great, and they they've you know if you get to the point where someone you know wearing your wearing your brand using your brand it means something bigger you know it means that they're part of something else and then you know you've got you know you've got a bold brand
0: i love it and look at that i'm looking at my little timer we're just over the hour but who cares when we've had such yeah. awesome insights we've had a I blast really, this
1: has been really fun i really
0: here. really enjoyed listening to um your words of wisdom and um i'm sure a lot of the listeners will have also that have tuned in picked up so much valuable content out of this episode um so all that I really want to say Diane is thank you you know very much for coming on and sharing all of that that with us as we said really really early on there's ways to get in touch with you they're all in the show notes um if anything has resonated with you and you want to speak to Diane about copywriting please reach out and get in touch with the book Diane thank you very much for coming on
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure.
0: No problem. So here we are, the end of another episode. Just like to say thank you very much for listening really does mean a lot if you've enjoyed the show please leave me a review love reading comments and feedback from listeners if you've been listening and think that you would like to find out if your brand has all of the key ingredients to make it stand out from the crowd Don't forget to hit the links button in the player. Yes, this player that you're listening on, which will take you to my brand report. And that will give you a customized report score of your brand straight to your inbox. If you'd like to find out more about myself, visit my website, www.danielocock.com. Again, links are in the show notes. You can book a call with me if you'd like to discuss your next project. The show is available on all major platforms. So don't forget to hit subscribe if you'd like to be updated about future episodes. And remember, if you're not proud of your brand, then how do you expect anyone else to be?